Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. My name is Sam Matler. I'm your host. And if you're new to the show, the EDM Podcast is a podcast or talk show where I interview successful artists, producers, engineers, and industry experts. Today's guest is Maro, uh, also goes under Maro Music, and he's got an awesome story. He spent a lot of time in the audio engineering world or commercial production world, and he shares a lot of advice on how to get into that and how to kind of build your network, all that kind of stuff, um, or ways you can approach that. So we talk about that. We talk about the biggest mixing mistakes that he sees people make, uh, and we talk about how he structures his days. Very inspiring interview. He's a great guy. A lot to take away from this interview. Uh, so make sure you listen and let me know what you think on Twitter at EDMProd or you can leave a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, head on over to edmprod.com forward slash iTunes to do that. That's all from me. Without further ado, here is Maro. Enjoy the interview. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. My name is Sam Matler, and today I'm joined by Maro. Uh, how's it going? Yeah, everything's fine. Thanks for, thanks for asking. For those who don't know you, tell us about your background. How did you get into music? How did you get into audio? Tell us about that. Uh, actually, I haven't ever been out of music. Uh, I, I knew what I want to do since I was like 14. I started to collect gear and, you know, and, uh, uh, and uh, learn about how to make stuff happen you know uh, I, I always wanted to be a dj uh, because i thought that djing is the thing that the producers do actually and then when i discovered that that i want to be a producer because this is the actual name i i became a producer and from then on i never had a normal job <laughs> i was always the guy that that collects crazy amounts of gear and and tries to live out of it so you got into DJing before production? Actually, at the same time, because uh, because I was sure that it has to go in pair, and it wasn't like that in when I started in I think ninety six. So uh, throughout many years, there was not such huge connection between being a producer and being a DJ. Right now, it's almost obligatory that if you have, mm. uh, if you are a producer, you need to be a DJ, and if you have a DJ, you need to have a track. It wasn't that obvious at that times. DJs were just DJs for being DJs, you know, and not for be, for having a hit song. What I mean, you've been in this industry for a long time, and I want to talk about a few other things that you've done. Uh, what are some of the things you've seen change over, say, the past 20 years in the music industry? 
yeah first of all access access to uh, access to tools because uh, when i started it was just a break of an era that the computers were available to people but there most there were mostly very very imperfect and mm-hmm. uh, and there was no so much resources tutorials you know and and the quality wasn't that good as it's it's right now and and all the uh, all the revolution and bringing the DAW to the front, uh, you know, house of your studio to the front wall uh, is is I think the biggest one because uh, at, at, I was just uh, I started just at the dawn of recorders. Actually, you could buy a sixteen mm-hmm. track recorder or something like that. I don't know if you are able to do so right now. So this was the first one. The, the second thing that came just with it was uh, that uh, production and the possibility to become a producer became much more cheaper. Uh, So you actually need uh, to buy a laptop right now and and you're all good to go. You have your headphones and most of the OSs right now support a a small program that you can start off or there are free programs that you can start with. Uh, so this this is the thing that I think uh, is very had a huge impact. Also, uh, sticking to that thing, uh, when I started, there was almost none virtual instruments. So first virtual samplers, first virtual anything. Oh, they were very nasty sounding, different plugins that were all many times not working. You know. So, so this is also a huge revo- revolution that I don't have to buy a two thousand or three thousand dollars synthesizer to make a sound. Uh, tell me about your time working with some of the hip hop artists. How did that come about, and and what exactly did you do? Yeah, actually, I started in in hip hop, and uh, it was the the first thing I did a lot because uh, of the of the. Uh, environment i was in and i always loved the 90s hip-hop especially the east coast but i always had some some kind of interest because uh, i was very interested in engineering i had a very huge interest in electronics and that led to electronic music and how synthesizers work and and i always had that futuristic kind of vibe to to, to what i did uh, so uh, between those samples and those gritty, you know, uh, beats that I did, I always ha- wanted to introduce some, some of that that uh, thing that happened actually a few years ago with with trap and with uh, with twerk music uh, the, and all the, all those similar down te- down tempos things that that turned out to be a hype thing. Right, uh, and you started a label. When when was that? But it's it's kind of fresh thing. Like the, my company is uh, my uh, I, I d- actually didn't even start because uh, I was in nine. In I started my company in two thousand nine, and releasing of music actually became very a very national natural process. Uh, that was the so so I I don't know where when to name name it a label actually you know 
but the first releases came out like I don't know four years ago, maybe five years ago, and it's not a regular label that we you know sit and and do stuff. Uh, we don't, I don't have people hired. Uh, we just re- it's just a self release more than than a than a label seeking for for talents and 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 working PR and stuff like that. What made you decide to start that instead of just I don't know releasing on another label? It's an experiment, actually. Uh, I I decided not to go the the the, the to to the route that I will be uh, condemned to to something that they will release me or not. They like my music or not, or or uh, they they make my schedule of releases. You know, like uh, it's a very big experiment that I don't want to be. Uh, uh, with uh, a label that has too many people and too many deciding people. Actually, as a producer, I work for for major labels all the time, and not under my name, but under, like under my name, but as a as a producer for other artists. So I know, like for example, they they can schedule like we have a finished single, and they say, okay, we can push it next year. You know. So this was this was not my kind of deal. So I decided to work with somebody that that would do PR for me, and I would uh, and I would take care of all of that business. Because in these days, what what label can you give? What label can give you more than PR and money for the yeah. and an advance? Let's say it like that, right? That these are two things that actually you need. Uh, besides, uh, besides releasing your music, because you can release your music just in five minutes, actually. So by by many things like I don't know TuneCore, CD Baby, or uh, DistroKid, you know. So so the label offered that three things: like advanced for for your work, PR, and and a possibility to release it. So if I if I can hire somebody from PR, I can release it myself. And I can sustain myself financially. What do I need from a label? Mm, good point. Yeah, I, I totally think that the value of labels has dropped over the past ten years significantly. Um, a lot of people listening to this show, you know, they're just making music uh, for themselves, releasing music. You have worked as a producer for other artists. What is that like? What are the differences between that? And just making your own music and releasing it. First, of, first of all, that you have to work in a team. So actually, there is. It's. Uh, I, I'm very excited always when I work with the new artists and when when the artists like what what I do. Of course, when they like it less, the, it's a challenge, and there is. It's not much less exciting, but but then then you have more work to do, and just not be, you know happy about uh, about that they like your music but you have to accommodate so what what it's, let's get back to the question uh, first of all you the, the, we, we have to divide if you're working with an artist that's independent or an artist that has a contract because when when for example a label like Warner comes to me and they said and they say uh, we have a contracted artist and we would like for you to make a single uh, for that artist, uh, then they then they ask me if if the, it's supposed to be a 
uh, radio single or it's supposed to be an alternative uh, kind of thing, you know. Uh, I need to meet the artist and know what his profile is and I need to accommodate to all the stuff that is on the album, of course, because, you know, no, not many people can... Uh, get away with uh, eclectic uh, albums like Rihanna, for example, when you have a reggae song up beside the, a dance track, you know. So uh, you need to know how to marry your style with the, with the thing that will already happen on the album. So uh, actually, if you are in the middle of the process of the album, when you're acquired, it's very comfortable because you don't have to guess what they are, what they are expecting. And then you also know the style of the of the artist and which way is he is going. So this is the mm. difference when you work for the label. But when you work for for an artist, for example, uh, it's more f it's always more free. You know, the artist always when I work, they come to me. They show their their music inspirations for now. They tell me what tracks of minds do they really love and why did they come to me actually it has to be you know some kind of an interview and and then we have to marry those those two things uh, in despite of just accommodating to to the to the style of the upcoming album which producers do you look up to and why right now my favorites like i really enjoy the last singles of moxie uh, the guys make very, 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 very nice marriage of, of the new new house around genres. Uh, I really like Joyride, but Joyride, uh, I think he didn't release much last year. Uh, the, what more? Uh, Greg Wells, it's a very, very uh, one of my favorites. Max Martin, of course. Dr. Dre, you know. Uh, I can I can go on. I just you know I'm just looking through my mind, and I I I really cannot you know close in one one. Uh, I, I can I can t tell obvious things like Diplo, Skrillex, you know, Calvin Harris, you know, all the people that made it you know, and that introduced something new to the game. It's uh, the the first guys I told you are the guys that I really watched closely like last year chocolate puma oh he they, they these guys did some fun things actually actually played the remixes today at dash radio mm. uh hmm, who else snails oh yeah this is my this is my uh. latest favorite his his last album yeah this is something i really really enjoy what advice would you give to someone listening to this who who is like a bedroom producer who wants to enter that kind of more commercial world of production, uh, whether it be audio engineering or music production, um, what advice would you give to them? That's a really, really hard question. But first of all, you need to, you need to not be discouraged because uh, there are like, uh, if you live in a normal city, there will be like 2000 guys like you just in that city and if you will come to los angeles you will have like two hundred thousand guys like you that will be waitressing in the mcdonald's or or better restaurants you know and 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 telling that they are a producer all the time but actually from the perspective i am right now and i'm visiting uh, la and new york quite frequently uh, i'm better off staying 
like off the tr- the the imagined track that I really need to go to Los Angeles to make it as a producer because I know that every guy I meet here is a producer you know like you are just when when, when I'm starting to work from the place I am so it's Warsaw Poland like uh, I gain so much more curiosity in people that uh, that the case that I'm just sitting here and being another producer or another engineer because here is like an or- overflow. It's like you would say that you are a waiter or or any other a taxi driver because it's it's mm-hmm. so popular in here. You know, like every people I meet, there are artists, there are singers, there are bass players, drummers. You know, like. Uh, and and especially if you have uh, and everybody with a laptop is a dj or a producer so so i i would uh, if if you want to have your career i think the unbeaten paths are are the best way to do that and of course it will be uh, from that perspective it will be harder but but actually being here it, it, can make you rot a little bit inside because you will be you know, like the third producer that called the guy that you want to meet uh, for the, f- in the, not this week, but this day, you know, like they get, yeah. they guys get so many offers that I think it's better to build your own catalog first and then, uh, and then get your own little success. For example, like I did in Poland. And then if I gain like 100,000 or 200,000 views on, on the video I produced uh, or I get some radio plays or something like that, then I have something to show that it's more than a USB stick with a demo, you know. <laughs> and I would start like that because some of my, some of my best, uh, like best, best sold works like, that are watching like millions of views on YouTube uh, are just from from nowhere actually and uh, and the things i did that i'm proud of are getting like 10,000 views or 50,000 views you know that that are really supposed to be the ones that will break through because there are so much so there's so much music that's already here that being just another ant i think it doesn't work and since i have already some music going on uh, and i have a portfolio from you know a place that people don't know exists even they are curious they watch the videos you know they they are able to click next and and see how big range can i have you know so i would start with working with local artists or no artists but people that have a vision that want to do something that that will you know be a little, uh, you know, off, not off-putting, but uh, a little bit different. And the difference can be also with the, with the languages. Is your, if you're staying on, I don't know, Iceland or, or something, just make an Icelandish rap record, you know, and make a great video to that. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm thinking. Let's say uh, as an engineer, because we didn't cover that, I think the route is very, very similar. Uh, just, uh, but for engineers, there is an, a, another thing that I always tell that you need to really fuck up thousand mixes and make the thousand first one good. So engineers need to 
need to work all the time. Like you have to be on point. You have to have your ear really, really focused. And uh, as I do both things uh, and I work on music and I mix most of the music that I work on, that I have not much problem with doing that. But if not, uh, if I would be, be only mixing somebody's music, I would take everything for every money or for free. I think I, I, got, I, I was starting to get better and I was starting to know what I'm doing after about a thousand mixes I did. That's plus minus when I was counting it. I, I couldn't count everything I did, but but this was this was actually the amount that uh, that I counted to that that when I felt that I know what I'm doing. That is a long time. I, I think that's a good metric. I mean, if you're doing one mix a day, that's three years, you know? Yeah. And I, I think it's good. I think a lot of people aren't patient nowadays. Oh, of course. I'm not patient too, but I learned that, you know, like I, I, I wanted everything uh, right now for, since I was born, actually. Uh, I was um, <laughs> I was like that, but but life showed me that uh, everything that you get get now it's ten percent of you of what you can get later actually. So investing in yourself is is very very important thing I think. More than than having you know one one shots of of stuff like I see producers that sell their beats uh, online for like twenty dollars. They cannot understand that if they sell the beat, it's not theirs anymore. Like the famous thing is with the uh, Ulti Genesis, they, he bought the beat for $200. I'm, uh, of course, we are talking about the Coco, right? So he actually bought the beat on, online for for $200. And that's it, you know, and the producer can, uh, the only thing that le- that's left for him is to brag that he did it. Yeah, that's 200 bucks. That's nothing. Yeah, he bought himself like I don't know half of Jordans. I don't know how much are the bit, but I think like one Jordan. <laughs> I think yeah, it's kind of sad. It's devaluing your work. If you sell a beat for twenty dollars and it takes you six hours to make, that's that's not good at all. Yeah, but people think that they will sell like that they will sell the same one like five hundred times or something. There are success stories like that. I knew a a producer that that grew up, uh, I think his name was Young Fire. He grew up on selling beats like for 15 bucks and, and he ended up like being the producer. I, I think, uh, I, I'm not sure if Ninth, Ninth Wonder didn't go the same route, but that mm-hmm. has to be checked. I, I, I'm not taking responsibility for what I said, but I, <laughs> but, but I remember, uh, I think I remember they're, they're bo- them both on a portal named Rock Battle. It was a hip hop producer portal that there were like uh, produ- production battles between between different pro- different producers, and I think I saw them there, like in mm-hmm. two thousand four or something like that. Right, right, gotcha. I want to switch gears. You spend a lot of time in the studio. You said before the interview, ten hours a day. Do you have a structure to your days? Is does every day look the same? Um, how do you approach that? Because I know a lot of people struggle with that like being productive and planning out their, their studio time. Yes, I, I'm, uh, yes, this is very important for me to, for my day to have a structure because I also be, uh, have a family and also uh, run another company that builds uh, gear for, for the studios. So I need to, I need my schedule to be, to be, you know, set from, from the beginning of the day and I don't hang around the studio. If I need to do something, I just do it. 
and I just sit down and 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 you know and uh, and work till it's done. But actually, no, it's kind of. I'm not saying that I'm doing one project. Uh, I'm saying that if I need to work in the studio, I'm turning off my phone, I'm turning off my emails, and I'm not distracting myself. But I can work on three, four different projects every day, uh, just bit by bit. Uh, and I, ninety percent of times, I'm not. Uh, able to do a mix a day, for example, because it's a normal thing for me that I I need to revise them. I need to have a different day. Uh, I I grew to the thing that I know that I hear differently every day. So for me, a mixing process is like if I would took on five mixes, it would me it, it would take me five days to make them. But it doesn't mean I would do a mix a day. It, I would do all five mixes every day. Right. Yeah. So this is this is the way I work, and so my my work is normally starting at about nine fifteen, mm-hmm. fifteen past nine. Uh, it's because I'm going out from home at nine, and I, it takes me fifteen minutes to go to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm really strict at it, and uh, I'm checking my emails. Uh, I don't have an office, so my desk and my studio is my office. So I'm just opening the laptop uh, and while, while I'm checking the emails, I'm listening to the new stuff that happened that I don't know, SoundCloud, Spotify or whatever I have, uh, uh, you know, a flavor for this day. Then I'm uh, checking what I have to do. So who am I producing or what am I producing or do I have to make a, a special, you know, ear adjustment to it? So if I'm doing like some trash pop or some EDM, I'm just listening to that genre and getting, you know, customized, uh, used to uh, the sound and uh, how the studio sounds and how, how I hear today because uh, sometimes I discover I hear a little bit darker sometimes I discover I hear a little bit brighter so it's something uh, so if I listen to tracks and some tracks piece, I know that they are really really good mixed and they piss me off because they are too bright I know that I have to mix bright today because because this is the way I, I, I feel, you know, or if I have a little bit of uh, a flu, then I know that, that I also need to mix bright because uh, I will hear darker uh, because of the clogged, you know, uh, uh, sinuses. So, um, yeah, then I, then I jump on the project. Uh, most of the plus minus, it will take me like two or two and a half hours and I have lunch. And after lunch, I jump on another project. Then I have a like fifteen minute break and and do the third one. And that's mostly mm-hmm. about seven o'clock in the evening. So it's like plus minus ten hours, mm-hmm. and I'm going home. What do you do to relax? Like that's a long day. Nothing. Nothing. Do you, you don't relax? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I feel so good in my. Uh, I, I feel so good in my workspace that I I mm-hmm. don't get stressed. Like. I, I had I, I had like a lot of stress when I was working with advertisement companies. Uh, the work was like I was doing some uh, post production. I was doing sound design. I was doing uh, you know music on demand for them. Like uh, for example, I did a worldwide uh, Fanta commercial that that mm. went like for twenty eight countries or something. And the thing was that there were always some incompetent imbecile. Uh, in the in, in the loop that that was ruining my nerves, you know, 
and uh, and that's why I stopped working with agencies uh, right now. And uh, when I and I have my own porf- portfolio, so the, when the advertisement company comes to me, I'm just presenting them works that are done. And and I say that if there is something you like, then, then you can take it, and not the other way around, because there will always be something that will that will you know be make me nervous. So the best relax for me would be diving, but I don't have time for that. I'm a, I, I, uh, I did a rescue di- paddy rescue diver, and when I had time, I was like going to uh, Egypt like two two times a year to dive, but uh, I cannot do this anymore because of my time schedule. So actually, yes, uh, my my work is my relaxing time. I just I just enjoy music. I like. Uh, people listen to music to to relax, right? So, mm-hmm. if I'm listening to music w- while I'm working, what am I co- actually doing? So that's my approach. Like I need to enjoy what I do, but mm-hmm. I'm but also I'm at the point in my life that I can't do that because, uh, as I told you, I, I had to go through all the stressful times to do things I, I'm not proud of to get to the point that I am right now. Yeah, totally. Uh, I've got one more question for you, and that is, you've spent a lot of time mixing. What are some of the biggest mixing mistakes that you see other engineers or producers make? Oh, that's a cool, that's a big question, and I can go on and on about that. So the first thing is, uh, if, if we are talking about producers that self-mix, the first yeah. thing is the arrangement. Like, you cannot get a great mix out of a thing that's not produced very well. So I think the the most important thing is to, pro, to 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 know how to produce a good track and then uh, and then think about mixing. For example, when I'm producing, I'm I'm producing it and mixing at the same time. But but this this doesn't mean that I'm uh, uh, that I'm just a good mixer. It means that I know where I'm going with every sound that I produce. So, for example, mm-hmm. if I make a kick drum, I already know how it will behave with the bass. So I have to decide if the bass will be uh, which would which will be the lowest uh, instrument in my track. If it's the kick drum or the bass, because it depends. Like for example, in trap, the bass will be the lowest one, right? But it's not so obvious you do EDM because then the bass is raised, the bass is over the over the kick drum, and the kick drum is the thing that punches you in the in your in your chest, right? So, so these are the critical decisions that you have to that you have to make uh, while you're making the track. You cannot have like a, a huge kick drum, a sub bass, and an 808 and a, and a bass line laying around at the same time, you know, and 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 having it uh, and trying to mix that, you know, you have to be wise and and let go and eliminate what what's causing the problem. If, if if we are talking about the bass, the same thing is so people do synth stacks that so they want to sound big, so they add another, another, and another synth, and they are building up the noise that it's on the high end of the signal, because many synths to sound big, they are adding some noise oscillators, and they are not perfectly sampled. Also, if you use a rumpler or something like that, uh, so then you have a then you have a mush like in the area between two thousand and and up, you have something that that you don't even can recognize what pitch is it. You know, it's just 
just a bunch of noise. So uh, you need to, if you are self-producing and you are self-mixing, you have to be aware of what you are doing, first of all. Uh, the same with stereo bass, uh, uh, like the stereo bass, not, not the bass, but the stereo bass of your track. Uh, so uh, also you have to remember that if you will make the kick drum, the kick drum is supposed to be in the center. If you make the bass, uh, the bass is a tricky one because uh, there are many basses, like for example, and uh, right now the rhythm, I actually I don't know why dubstep is called rhythm right now, but maybe somebody will explain <laughs> that, that, that to me. <laughs> uh, so actually in rhythm you have those basses that are mu multi-purpose, you know, and very splitted throughout the frequency. Uh, so then you have to also decide which one goes to, into the center, which ones goes on the sides, you know, uh, frequency-wise, you know. Um, and then the, and then you you build the structure of the track so um, if you have a synth that's go playing a lead don't slam it with with another pad that will pump under it you know make yeah. a, make make space for them you know and uh, also uh, the, the thing with producing and mixing at the same time you must remember that you you are building some kind of emotions you are building some kind of a drama out of your track right so you one of the biggest mistake that the mistakes that i get from other producers is that they are making a build up that is so loud that when the drops go, drop goes in it's boring because you have a because the the, the actually the, they they spend so much time on the on the on the uh, build up and uh, they get all those noises and all those snares and all those high synths that are rising and rising and rising and rising and at the end you know you have a very very aesthetic kind of bass drop and and you don't get that impact so so mm -hmm. one of the secret advices is get your build up even if it's building up uh, to be quieter than the than the actual drop uh, do it with automation simply yeah and yeah yeah i like that but 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 you know that that that's the thing that of course you are excited of course it's your track and of course you 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 feel differently but take a take a step back and listen if your build up is is not more uh, more you know uh, uh, more loud than 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 your drop because it's a, it's a different especially when you listen in in a, a bass narrow environments like small headphones or a or a telephone or something like that because then you then it doesn't matter if you have a huge kick drum you will just lose all the energy that you build up in the in the middle of the of the track uh, because because the drop has to be more aesthetic and you have a very great kick drum that you don't even hear it so yeah so so i think this this is the the thing that and also rest that that's uh, that's the thing when you listen to loud music and and you're doing for example edm uh try to try to rest as much as possible take like five ten minutes every hour and just walk out and and, and listen to something else because i'm catching myself all the time enjoying myself i i have a very very nice system in the studio i can go loud i can go loud like a, in a club actually and i uh, and i uh, often especially in the afternoon i find myself enjoying it too much 
so so I'm getting like a little bit deaf and then I'm I, I have to remember that this is not the way I'm, I'm supposed to work I'm already exaggerating what what's happening and 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 of course I need to know how it will feel in the club but but this is not the mixing level I'm, I'm supposed to work in yeah absolutely. so I'm just taking a break getting like some coffee or water or whatever turning down the volume back to the working you know sound level and starting to listen again or just quitting the the project for that time and doing something else like preparing the sessions for the next day and then i'm starting off with that project and not just the next day from the morning gotcha well that's fantastic advice and um this has been great talking to you before you go though uh, what's coming up for you and, and where can people find out more about your work? So um, about my work, uh, first of all, maromusic.com. There are all, all, all of the links uh, are, are hooked up over there. There are some of my productions, some, some of my own music, some mm-hmm. of uh, things that I did for other companies. Uh, then, of course, uh, f- from those links, there is Instagram, maromusic1, uh, Facebook, maromusic1, uh, I think on SoundCloud is just Maro Music, but I'm not sure. But as, as I'm telling you, MaroMusic.com, there is there, there are all the links that are that are connected to me. Uh, of course, uh, when you would uh, type in Maro Music at YouTube, there will be also a, uh, 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 I have a YouTube channel, Maro Music 100, and there you can find uh, playlists of uh, things that I mixed, things that I produced, and my own music because uh, I, I work on those three fields. So, so, so I, I did playlists of that. So you can compare if, if, if this is what uh, you, know, you like. And if anybody has any questions after that podcast and, and need some more detailed answer or wants to you know, get some critique, then shoot over your, your music and I will be happy to hear it.